0: Bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living word with Pastor Mensah Otake. And now today's word: living in expectancy. And this is the second part of living in expectancy. And many times, you know, when we are thinking about our lives, we think about. What, what does God want for our lives? What is God's plan for us? What is God's purpose for us? Am I living in the purpose of God? What has happened to me? Should it have happened? Could it have been better? And so on. And I'm going to try to uh, address some of these concerns today in my message. So my subtitle for this part two is Should, Could, and Would. Should, Could, Would. I'm sure you wonder what kind of sermon title is, should, could, would. You will get to understand them later. But before I get into the substance of my message, I want to make two important statements because they affect what I'm going to say uh, today. When we talk about the will of God, there are two things I want to bring to your notice about the will of God. It's not everything about the will of God, but these two are important because they relate to what I'm saying. The first one is the sovereign will of God, sovereign will of God, sovereign will of God is what God has decreed and what God does. So there are things that could change it, there is going to be a judgment day and nothing is going to change it, that's the sovereign will of God. There is coming the end of this age and we can't pray against it, that's the sovereign will of God. The salvation, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was the sovereign will of God. When we say something is the sovereign will of God, it means that God oversees it, ordains it, and implements it irrespective of what we do. Nothing we do, say, pray, act affects the sovereign will of God. That is what he does because he's sovereign, he's king, he's lord over everything. So that's one thing. Then there is something else called the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God is what God allows to be done. What God allows to be done. This is normally conditional. You can pray about it, uh, you can intercede and things will change because it's not in the sovereign will of God, it's in the permissive will of God. Much of what I am going to teach today uh, relates to the permissive will of God, not the sovereign will of God because we can't do much about that, but we can do something about the permissive will of God, what God permits or what God allows to happen in our lives. There are things that happen in our lives uh, that God allows even though it is not his intention that it should happen, but he will allow it and we can do something about them. So I'm going to focus more on the second part, the permissive will of God. My teaching is going to be based from a popular uh, scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18 and verses 5 to 10. Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 5 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this porter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the hand is in the porter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I've spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it. If it does evil in my sight, so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. So God is talking about nations here, but the principle affects individuals as well in this passage. The first we want to look at is should. When we say something should be, It means uh, it is something that is expected to happen. Something that is expected to happen. So there are things that are expected to happen. I want you to pay attention to verse 7. It says, the instant I speak concerning a nation. The instant I speak. In other words, God says some things. He says things about people. He says things about nations. And that message that God has for a nation, He speaks in an instant. He speaks at a point in time. So this verse or that declaration, God speaking to us in an instant, is based on where we are at a time. Or at a point in time. Where we are at a point in time, in life. Now if you... Look at the parable closely. Jeremiah goes to the porter's house and he sees a porter and he's working and he's working with clay. At a point, the clay is in the porter's hand and something beautiful is coming out. At another point, the clay is still in the porter's hand but it is mud, it is destroyed. At both times, it's in the porter's house. One moment, it is doing well, the other moment, it does not do well. So, when God says, the instant I speak concerning the nation, he's saying, based on where you are at that time, I can speak about you. I can make a declaration. I can say something about you in an instant, at a point in time. Second thing I want you to note, is what God says to us at a point in time. What God says to us at a point in time. In the verse 7, he says, the instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down and to destroy. Verse 9, he says, the instant I speak concerning a nation and a, a kingdom, to build and to plant it. So sometimes God thinks about a nation that are good. You will be built, you will be great, you, you will excel, you will do well. But it's based on an instant. It's based on where you are at that particular point in time. Another time he's saying there is destruction coming, things are not going to go well for you. It's based on where you are at a time. What does that mean? It means that there are points in our lives where we are in a certain state. And the state we are in predicts our future. So for example, if you find somebody who is drinking a lot of alcohol and they get up in the morning, they drink, 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 afternoon, drink, 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 evening, drink, 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 drink. If you tell them you're going to have liver disease you are not cursing them, you are predicting their future based on where they are now. If you drink so much alcohol without relent, you are predicting a certain disease upon yourself. If you are always fighting people in your office and you don't get on with anybody in your office, it is predictable that you lose your job. Now that is not a curse, that is a prediction based on your current behavior Because you are quarrelsome. If you don't save any money, and every money that comes into your hands, you, you just squander, 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 you have no investment, you have no savings, you don't think about tomorrow, you will be poor. So at that instant, God can say, poverty is awaiting you. And when he's saying poverty is awaiting, it doesn't mean I have designed for you to be poor. He's saying based on the instant you are in and what you are doing, this is how things are going to end for you. So there are times God speaks to us and it's based on where we are, what we are doing, or what we are not doing, actions you are taking. And then he can say, Disaster is coming your way based on the actions you're taking. So God is speaking to Israel and he's saying, now if you look at uh, Jeremiah, the moment God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah starts speaking to Israel. You're going to captivity. You're going to captivity. Disaster is coming. Disaster is coming. Disaster is coming. Now if you listen to Jeremiah, you think nothing can be done about the state of Israel. They're going to be in trouble. So God says, Mr. Jeremiah, let me show you once another side of this. Go to the porter's house. He showed him a porter who's laying and molding something. At one moment it's going well, another moment it's going badly. And then at another moment it goes, another moment it goes well. And God says, this is how my will is. At an instant I can speak concerning you, but what I say is not the finality of it. It's how things should be if you continue where you are. If you come from a very broken home, it is likely your marriage will be broken. Because you saw a bad example. If you come from a very very uh, drug, a bad alcoholic family, it is likely you'll be a drunker. Doesn't mean you will be, but where you are can indicate where you're going to be. That's the first, should be. The second is could. Could, everybody say could. Now this is the heart of the whole message, could. Should is powerful, but could is more powerful. Could is what can possibly happen. What can possibly Happen, this is the heart of everything I'm saying. This is the heart of the message God is giving to Jeremiah. And why is could important because could speaks of possibility. Everybody say, possibility, say one more time, say, possibility, say it like you are in church. Where are you? Are you in possibility? Possibility. So, I'm going this way. Predictably, I'm going to end that way. I take a bus, it's going to Kumasi, predictably, I should be in Kumasi, but somewhere in the line there can be a code where I can change direction and instead of going to Kumasi, go somewhere else. Somebody say, I can do it. So although predictably I'm supposed to end this way, I can change direction could could and that is premised on Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 17 this is something God spoke through Jeremiah to Israel and it's very important it says have you not brought this on yourself in that you are forsaking the Lord your God where he led you in the way so God is saying, the reason why you're going into captivity, the reason why Jeremiah is saying captivity, can, because God wants Babylon to conquer you, but He says you have brought it upon yourself. How did it upon yourself? How did you bring it upon yourself? Because you walk in a path that is leading to captivity. So. There are a lot of things God will say about you today that you have brought on yourself. God didn't bring it on you. You know one of the things about our Ghanaian African culture is we don't, when when you tell people of the possible outcome of their choices, they think it's a curse. They think it's okay. They think you're, they say, don't kiss me. Don't don't speak bad luck to me. But it's not speaking bad luck. If somebody takes a Kumasi bus, and I say, you will go to Kumasi. he can't say, hey, you can't tell me I'll go to Kumasi. But you took the bus. You are on the Aflower Road. And I say, you will get to a flower. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to a flower. I'm going to tackle. You can't tell me I will get to a flower. You will get to a flower. It is not a curse. It is the instant I am speaking to you. Based on your choices and actions, God says to Israel, this is what I'm telling you. You're going to captivity not because I planned it in my sovereign will, but I will permit it because you have brought it upon yourself. Because sometimes, you know, we say things about, well, whatever happens is God. In a sense, God knows everything, but whatever happens is not God's sovereign will. A lot of things happening in our lives, God doesn't want it to happen. And he's going to bring you to a point where you can change it. And that's what he's saying to Israel, that's why he took Jeremiah to the porter's house. You can change it, it is mad, but something can be done productively out of this pot that is destroyed. Somebody say, I can, could is based on two things, change of action, if you turn around, change of action, and secondly, change of consequences. God says I will relent. Change of action comes from seeing I'm headed in the wrong direction. And I'm making the wrong choices. And God says if you change direction, I will relent. The disaster is not going to happen. But interestingly, he said the same thing about people who are headed towards disaster and people who are headed towards blessing. So God is saying that there are things you do that can predispose you to be blessed, to be happy, to be joyful, to enjoy your life. The expected end will not happen. So you can start, will not happen. So you can start life, maybe you start marriage, you have a good marriage. And you have a good marriage because you spend time together. And you spend time together, you pray together, you read the Bible, and you talk and you converse and and you forgive each other and you're tolerant towards each other. Your marriage will work. But if you make new friends, who start telling you, hey, who are women? Don't let a woman control you. And you relent from the right things you're doing, although predictably you are supposed to have a good marriage, you end up in disaster. Because this could cut two ways. It cuts in the way of those who are headed towards disaster and those who are headed towards goodness. Both, if they change their actions, the outcome will change. So what does God want for you? Many times we ask, what does God want for me? The question is, what do you want for yourself? Because he's telling Jeremiah, these guys have brought this on themselves. So are there things I'm bringing to myself and blaming God for? Most likely because the expected end of our lives is determined by us. Walking in God's ways, doing God's will, obeying God. One of the things we have developed in this part of the world, I don't know whether it's an African thing, Ghanaian thing whatever it is is we don't see the correlation between action and reaction people feel that they can be lazy ah, and one day who knows tomorrow who knows tomorrow then boom, they are prosperous you no know, it's it's a, it's an african notion he's just lazy or He he goes to school, he doesn't learn, doesn't learn, but God is a God of signs and wonders. God is a God of miracles. God, I believe in miracles. Boom! boom, There will be a transformation. There will be no transformation. You will be last and beyond last if there's anything like that. Because somehow we don't merge our actions to the outcome of our lives. This is what God is telling Jeremiah. If you want to live in expectancy, what you expect is based on what you're doing. He says they brought it upon themselves. Many of the outcomes of Allah, where we are now, we can change it. Many of them. I know. I know you, you think it's a devil and witches and wizards. I know. I know you're mine. I'm, I'm one of you. But that thought is problematic because it takes responsibility from you. Because God could have told Jeremiah, it's because of the ancestors. The ancestors have sinned. Their fathers have sinned. You know, it's a a generational curse. And this one is deep in the spirit. And nothing can change it. He could have told Jeremiah that, nothing can change but he says go to the potter's house I'm going to teach you a lesson there the moment I speak concerning the nation to pluck it up to destroy it and they repent I will relent and the evil that was supposed to come upon them will not come upon them they didn't change ancestors because I can't change my ancestors I can't change my father I can't change my mother I don't even know my grandfathers my great grandfather never met him If he was a thief, how do I know? He took somebody's wife and so he stole somebody's goat in the village. I don't even know the village. So because my great grandfather stole somebody's goat and somebody said, nobody in your ancestry in your descendants will prosper. I am blamed and I am staffed. No sir, that is not Bible. That is African traditional religion. It is not Bible. It's not Bible. It's not Bible. If you read, the Bible says, that proverb, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. It will not be so. It will not be so. So God is saying to Jeremiah, in the porter's house, you're going to learn that the expectations of our lives are based on our current action somebody say i can so we've looked at should we've looked at could we look at the final one would would is what actually happens what is supposed to happen what can happen what actually happens. That is where you end, you end at wood. You know, all of us have experiences in life, there are people we know, we sat in class with. At a point in time, maybe primary school, or secondary school, or university, at a point in time, if we say who is the most likely to succeed, pick three, there were some people who would always feature in the three. Who is the most likely to succeed in life? Pick three. I know in my class, I would know who I will pick. And then they say, the one who is supposed to be a disaster, pick three. And at every point in time, there are three people. You say, as for this guy, he would never die. It won't happen. That is, he should. But then somewhere in the person's life, could happens. And the one whom we thought would do very well, could. And changes and starts becoming wrong. And the one we thought would have a disastrous life, could. And turns around. And then we meet them 30 years later. And the shoot has not become wood. Because in the middle there was a could. Something they did changed the outcome. So what is wood? What actually happens? And the passage says, the end is two, one, you can end up in a good place, built up, nourished, doing well, and sometimes people start, and we all know they're going to do well, and we see them 30 years later and they do well and we say, no surprise. You know, there are certain classmates of yours, you hear of them in the news, and you, you say, oh, we knew it, because they were good, and they continue being good. And the result is that we say, well, we all knew he would be a great person, we all knew she would be great. Then there are other classmates of my, ours, you see them on TV, and they become great. You say, hey, wonders shall never end. Wonders shall never end. It's not about wonders. Somewhere in their lives, if you would check, you would realize something happened. And they changed direction. They probably got born again. Got closer to God. Got filled with the Holy Spirit. Probably went to a church like Christ's temple. Had a good message. And all of a sudden, they started turning things around. And you look at them and say, hey, wonder shall never end. Yeah, it's good, it's wonderful, but it didn't happen by itself. It happened because they did something. They could do it. Somebody say, I can do it. (laughs) And then there are other people too. We all thought they would do well. We all thought they would do well. We all felt they would do well. And then you see them and you wonder, hey. The world is some way, oh. This man, this girl, ha, hey. ha, huh. fear the world. No, it's not, you don't have to fear the world. It's not about fear. Could happen, could. Something happened and they stopped doing what they were doing that made us all think they will be successful. They probably got bitter. Got angry, got very destructive, took on bad habits, made bad friends, and all of a sudden, the path we all thought they would end up in, they didn't end up there. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. He says, you can be in a good place, or you can be a bad in a bad place. But the determining factor is the middle one. If I speak concerning a nation and a kingdom... To bring a disaster, and that nation turns around, then I will relent of the disaster that I said I will bring upon it. A clear case was uh, King Hezekiah, God sent the prophet Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah, pack up your bag, you are going to die, that is shoot, but could Hezekiah turn his face and prayed and said, God, I'm not going down this way. And before Isaiah got out, a new instruction came, would. You're going to live. Somebody say, say, it's not fixed. Say it one more time, say it's not fixed. Say it one more time, say it's not fixed. Say it can change. It's not fixed. It's not fixed. It's not fixed. Even if you saw a dream, or you had a prophecy, or somebody prophesied to you, it's not fixed. It's still in the permissive will of God. It's not fixed. The things that are fixed, judgment day is fixed. Nothing we do can change it. But this in your life is not fixed. It's not fixed. There's something you can do about it. And you can change it. And really one of the most important consequential decisions a person must make to change the direction of their lives is to receive Jesus Christ into their heart, to be born again. That's a major game changer in life. It doesn't mean it will solve all your problems, but it's a major game changer. So I just want us to bow down our heads for a moment and we want to pray, if you are here this morning and you are not born again, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe You don't know whether you're born again or not. Some say, Pastor, I don't even know what is born again. Then you need to be born again. So if you are here, you want Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just lift up your right hand. That's your code. That's your sign to say, I'm about to change. I'm going to change. Let your hand be up. You want to be born again. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to be sure that your relationship with God is right. That you have eternity. You have eternal life with God. Your sins are forgiven. Just let your right hand be up. Those of you with your hand up, I want you now to put your hand on your heart. As we all pray together, this very important prayer. To give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I am a sinner. I cannot change myself. But I thank you, Father, that Jesus died for me. To wash away my sins and to change my life. And today, I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation which I now receive by faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen. If you truly pray that prayer to receive Jesus in your heart, you can be assured that a new life has been imparted to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otterville, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensap Otterville. Email Otterville at centralgospel.com or call plus 233 302 688 000.